Thank you so much, Dan and choir instrumentalists for beautiful, reverent worship this morning. Turn your Bibles to the 119th song of the Psalter. We'll be looking in a few moments at 105 through 112. The late Jim Moss used to make his way back to the pastor's study on Sunday morning where the 830 deacons who were taking up, who were passing the plate, meet for a word of prayer before the early worship service. He would come in to see if we needed him to fill in, if anybody hadn't made it, or if we just needed an extra guy. And, and that was for sure much appreciated. But there's one thing that he did that probably wasn't appreciated all that much. He would always go up to the deacon whose name was listed to pray on live television. We're not edited. If I say it, it's broadcast. And he would say, whatever you do, whatever you say, when you close your prayer, do not say, in Jesus' pray we name. <laughs> well, the seed was planted then. <laughs> the pin was pulled. And when the deacon would go to say the boring prayer at the end of the offertory, already in his mind, in Jesus' pray we name. In fact, it even has the right rhythm to me now. I heard it so much, and some occasion at the end of a, a sermon, I'm going to end with, in Jesus' pray we name. And you just translate it, would you? It's easy to get our tongues twisted, our words confused and cause great embarrassment to ourselves. Communication, well, it's one of the most difficult endeavors in which human beings ever engage. Just one slip of the tongue, just a change of even a letter here or a letter there, and well, you know, listen here becomes hiss and leer all of a sudden. Yes, communication is difficult. First of all, there is what I say. Secondly, there is what you heard that I said. Thirdly, there is what I think that you heard. And fourthly, there is what you think that I think that you heard. You got it? So whenever you talk to somebody, you've got four different dynamics going on. What's actually said, what's actually heard, what I think you heard, and what you think I think you heard. You get it. Humorist Bob Orban tells about his son. Now, I've had some conversations like this. I just chuckled. I, I still have conversations like this. His son came home from college after that first semester for the holidays, and he asked his son, Son, how are things going at the university? Good. Well, how's the food? Good. And the dormitory? Good. Well, they've always had a strong football program, and well, with the new quarterback this year, how do you think the team's going to do this year? Good. How are your studies going? Good. Well, he had to change the questioning, or it was going to go on like this forever, so he said, have you decided on a major yet? Knowing that that would yield a more detailed answer. Have you decided on a major yet? Yes. Well, what did you decide on? Communication, here if I. <laughs> Communication is so important. 
First of all, I have to, to say it correctly. I have to say, listen here, instead of hiss and leer. And I have to say, in Jesus' name we pray, instead of the other. <laughs> I'm so confused now, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> and even after I've said it, you've got to interpret it right, to hear it right. Words can have multiple, multiple meanings. I, a man asked his wife what she would like for her birthday, and she replied, I would love to be six again. Well, on the morning of her birthday, he heard it. He got the message. He got her up bright and early. They went off to the local theme park. What a day. He put her on every ride in the park. She had to ride the death slide, the screaming loop, the wall of fear, everything that was big. He made her ride it just like she was six. Five hours later, after all those loop-de-loops, well, they staggered out of the theme park with her head reeling and her stomach turned upside down. He took her straight to McDonald's and he ordered her a Happy Meal and a big chocolate shake on the side. And, well, that was hard to get down after the loop-de-loop -loop roller coaster. But, and after they finished McDonald's, he took her to the latest Star Wars epic, hot dogs, popcorn, Pepsi, Cola, and that big box of chocolate-covered M&Ms. It was a fabulous adventure. Finally, she wobbled home with her husband. She collapsed onto her bed and he leaned over. He was so proud of himself and he lovingly said, well, dear, what was it like to be six again? She opened one eye and said, you idiot. I meant my dress size. The moral of the story is this. If a woman speaks and a man is there to hear, he will get it wrong anyway. <laughs> it's hard to communicate well. A pack of lies can easily become a lack of pie. See how that happened? It's pouring with rain could be it's soaring with pain. That's a different meaning. And save the whales can turn into wave the sails. And please, please don't ever say, in Jesus' pray we name. But even when people speak the right words, we certainly don't always listen. One man expressed concern about his wife to a friend. He said, I've noticed my wife is talking to herself more and more, and, I, and I'm getting worried. And his pal replied, my wife's been talking to herself for decades. She just thinks I'm listening is the only, <laughs> only difference. You know, what I preach and what you hear are not always the same thing. This happened, actually happened here on live television, March the 14th, 2004. I was preaching a sermon on Acts 15, and the sermon title was Christ Plus Nothing. Christ Plus Nothing. A man called our associate pastor at the time, who was in his office, he was attending the, the late service, and declared, we are all up in arms in Borger this morning. Because your pastor said, you must be circumcised in order to be saved. What? I, I was simply reading the Bible. Acts 15.1 says, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's in the Bible. Look it up, Acts 15.1. I just read it. It's a false assertion by the Judaizers. And I, and I spent the rest of the sermon unpacking that with the emphasis being that Christ plus nothing 
circumcision, obedience, Christ plus nothing equals salvation. I guess that gentleman walked through his living room about the time I was standing there saying, unless you are circumcised according to the law of Moses, you will not be saved. He went straight to the phone, called our church office from Borger, spoke to our associate pastor and said they were all up in arms in Borger. Well, now, sometimes people hear what they want to hear. I really don't think the whole town of Borger was about to riot on us. I think it was just that one guy, to tell you the truth. But communication can be very, very difficult. Communication with your spouse is important. Communication with your children is important. Communication in your professional life is important. So much of what you do, I do every day, is about understanding what is being communicated. But there is no communication more important than God's communication to you. What God is trying to say to us. This morning we read Psalm 119 toward the end where he talks about God's word, God's law. It's, it's a lamp, it's a light, it's precepts, it's statues, it's a law. And to the very end, forever, he says, verse 112, I will keep your word. This morning, I want to challenge you to look at reading God's Word an entirely different sort of way. To listen to what God is trying to say to you, to communicate to you through the revelation of His Word. So often, I find that we read God's Word really to find pat answers for our problems. We come to the Bible to treat it as some great reference book. And if we're having a problem, we look for a passage that will solve our problem for that day. It's, well, it's not all bad, but it's not the fullest way to read, read God's Word. If we're afraid, we look for a passage that would address our fear. The Lord is my shepherd. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Fear not, be strong and of good courage, for wherever you go, the Lord your God is with you. Joshua 1, 1, 9. But instead of just being afraid and looking for passages like Joshua or or psalm that deal with fear. God's Word is so much more than that. There's another way to understand your encounter, your daily encounter with God's Word. To read Scripture with listening ears, trying to hear what God is trying to communicate to you through His Word and through His Spirit. Engaging yourself with God. 
not seeing it as a reference book per se, but rather a deepening of a relationship with God. So you engage yourself with a holy encounter and hear the precept, the law, the word, the parable, the prophet, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Now the reason we don't read God that way is it's risky to read it that way. You see, as long as we're just using it as a giant reference book to look up whatever's troubling our heart, we can pick and prune the passages and we can kind of keep God, well, from saying too much. We can get him to only say what we want to hear that way if we read God's word and stay in control as we read it. If you read God's Word as a listening, live encounter, engaging yourself with both the Word and the Spirit, it'll be risky. It'll change the way you hear the voice and the Word of God. Sometimes we want to ignore that Word and control what God can say. Clifford Nash, Professor of Communications at Stanford. Now, this is a professor at Stanford saying this. I'm not saying this. He reports that when BMW introduced their navigation system in Germany at the very first, well, the professor said, well, and I'm not, I'm not making this up, at first they used a female voice to give drivers instructions on where to go and where to turn, and they said it was a flop. None of the men driving wanted to hear a woman telling them where to go. They, they already had her right beside them, and they, they didn't need a second wife advising along the way. And so they actually changed the voice to a male voice. They updated everybody's software, so it was a male voice saying, turn, stop, go, left. What voice are you ignoring this morning who is speaking to you and what is he trying to say we don't really want to read scripture this way we want to hunt and peck and pick the passages that answer our petty problems. That's what we want to do. That's what we've been trained to do. But to engage ourselves with the Word of God and read, Thus saith the Lord, to let it ring in our ears and shake our souls is a threatening way to encounter, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Barbara Brown Taylor says to pick up the Word of God and read it through, not cherry-picking the passages. It's kind of like going on a blind date. Every time you pick up the Bible, you don't know what you might encounter as you read it cover to cover. You don't know what might be said to you or, or whether you're going to be comfortable with the text that you read or, or whether you're going to be uncomfortable with the text that you read. You don't know if you're going to be prodding through the parables or listening to the pounding of the prophets, well, you might know something of the theme and the content by picking the book that you're going to read, but as you read that book from cover to cover, from beginning to end, you might discover a new troubling word 
from God. People who read God's word regularly are more satisfied with their lives. Indeed, his word is the lamp that guides, the light that shows us a path. And when we, the people of God, do not engage ourselves daily with the word of God, we are missing God's instructions in our life. The American Bible Society took a poll and Way up in the 90 percentile of Americans own a Bible. Most all Americans own a Bible somewhere. But the number of Americans who actually open God's Word and read and study God's Word is down in the 20 percentile on a daily basis. And I suspect in actuality the number would be lower than that. Did you let days go by last week when you did not engage yourself with God's revelation for your life? Are you and I actually reading and listening to the Word of God? Are we engaging God through the difficult text? Some hard words from God. It may cause us to have to change some of our decisions, some of our want-tos, some of our ways of thinking, reading something thunderous. It might actually rattle the windows of our soul. The Bible is not, the way we want to treat it is a patch and fix kit. Now, there's a lot of new roofs going on in Amarillo, and I'm picking up a lot of roofing nails. I've had two this week, tires repaired on two different cars, and uh, you might watch that in your car. But what we want is just to go in and get God's Word and, and patch and fix. We don't really want anything radical to happen when we engage God's Word. It is the relationship that comes from the revelation of God's Word that really matters, not finding that sweet passage that makes us feel good about where we already live and breathe. In fact, if you actually read God's Word, it is quite shocking. It's, it's not a book about obedient servants who always did what God said, not about folks who always made the world a better place. If you think that, then you're one of the folks who owns it but doesn't read it. As you engage yourself with Scripture, you find that the people of God, well, they lie, cheat, and kill just as often as they love, heal, and give birth. On the whole, we find ourselves in the passages and pages of Scripture because we too are real people struggling with real problems, engaging ourselves and hunting for that light on the path that will show us where and how to walk. Somewhere along the way, we have to stop mining for passages that support our prejudices. Have you ever approached God's word that way? 
you already know what you feel about the ethical issue at hand, and so you find yourself looking for passages that will buttress what you've already concluded. You're not really wanting God's Word to change anything about you. You're wanting God's Word to support what you've already fashioned and formed in your life. One scholar said, we read God's Word this way. We collect all the little golden nuggets throughout the Bible that we can find to make our own golden heifer from the golden passages that we find. And we say our prayers and we go to bed before a God we have created with our own hands. Folks, that's dangerous. Are you worshiping a God that you have created through your own picking of passages? Are you engaging yourself with the entirety of God's Word in such a way that you can hear and be formed and fashioned by, thus saith the Lord God Almighty? How are you reading God's Word? Are you trying to make God into whom and to who you want him to be. There is, of course, a way around this to, to say, you know, I'm going to read the Gospel of John. And by the way, if you need a place to start after today's sermon, that's a great place to start. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Oh, that's a great place to start. Start with the Gospel of John. And as you read through the Gospel of John, don't Pick the stories that you know and love the best already, but read the entirety from the beginning and the end. And when the passage makes you comfortable, read it. And when the passage challenges you and where you are in life, read it. Read it all. And when you're finished with the passage, ask yourself, is there something that God is trying to say to me today. Take seriously even the parts of the Bible that rebuke you and exclude you and the parts that make you feel uncomfortable. Another way we sometimes read the Bible is in regard to everybody's life but our own. I find myself doing that sometimes and I dare bet I'm not alone. It's so easy for me to read a passage and think to whom it applies versus reading the passage and saying, what is God saying to me? When I read Scripture and think about how it could challenge you instead of me, then I have not met with God, but rather I've consulted with somebody about your life rather than engaging God in my own. When you read Scripture as a whole, you're going to find some passages that make you go, hmm, wow. That hurts. It's when I get to those passages, I know that I've probably read them rightly. 
Making you feel good about where you already are is not the goal when you read the text. The point is to embrace the Word of God, to hear what God is trying to say to you. You should not shape Scripture. Scripture should shape you. You should not shape Scripture. And when you start that cherry picking, you're shaping already by your selection. But Scripture should shape you. When you read the Bible this way, God has a lot of freedom and you don't. And you can't just pick passages for your problems or trying to read the prophets and make predictions. And, well, that's just another way of putting God in the box and telling him how he's going to do things. How about reading the Word of God and finding a God who defies your predictions, who eludes your controls, a God who is unfathomable mystery as you engage Him, and you'll find out you're not really calling the shots. He is. It's a scary way to read the Bible because it's too unpredictable. To read it this way, you've got to be willing to let God say what God wants to say, whether you embrace it or not. It's the honest way to hear, thus saith the word of the Lord. Our world today is full of so many messages and messengers. We have to pick our way through that discordant, infinite, channeled auditory landscape like a radio that's stuck on permanent scan. We can't even hear one message for very long. Have you noticed how the generation of teenagers today watches television, they get about two minutes per show, flip. Two minutes per show, flip. Two. Finally, I'll say, can we just watch anything? I don't care. Pick something and let's finish it. You can't. They're, they're taught. They can't be still. They must, there's another message. They might be missing something. Life as this skittering bits and bites, each dragging its piece of historical or emotional context a commercial overhead in traffic, a falsely urgent weather report, a burst of canned laughter, a half of refrain, and now cell phones interrupt lectures and second acts and sermons and funerals and everywhere on the radio a new song begins before the old song finishes and they'll never let you listen to a whole song. I can promise you that. Each place we turn, it's a new world, synthetic, fragmented often is not jacked in the increasingly complex grid that makes up the global communications network. It encroaches upon our old world of direct experience of authentic, unadorned events with their particular unadorned sounds. And silence with God is never to be found. Will you stop all that noise? For a moment and listen to the still small voice of God. The psalmist says in our passage, God, your word is a lamp to my feet. It, it lights my path. It's gonna, I'm going to keep what I discover in your word. It says in verse 109, even though my life is at risk, I'm going to keep your word. I'm not going to turn away from it, verse 110. Your testimonies are the heritage forever. Uh, 
when I connect with you, I will hear what you have to say. Verse 111, there's rejoicing in my heart, and I'm going to do what you asked me to do, 112, forever to the end. When's the last time, not that you picked up a Bible, but you read God's Word in an engaging, contemplative sort of way? Dare you listen to the Word of God? Dare you engage a holy God and listen to Him? God spoke in the void and said, let there be light, and the cosmos was created. God spoke to Noah, and he built a boat, a boat that would save. God spoke to Abraham, and a people were chosen. God spoke to Isaiah, and the temple, it shook the foundations. And God spoke, no, he whispered to Samuel, and a king was chosen by the name of David, and God thundered to Paul when he spoke, and an apostle was fashioned. God spoke to Lazarus with a command, and the dead actually came forth from the tomb, and God spoke to the church, and missions became our passion, and God spoke to you, and And God spoke to First Baptist. And thy word, O God, is a lamp. It's a light. Speak to us, O God. Let us pray. God, sometimes it's so scary to get alone with you, to read your word in full and in context. To dare encounter a holy God and a holy word of God and say, how does this speak to me? Father, I pray even as we begin this new school year that we have teachers and students who commit themselves to daily reading of your word, to pick a book Monday morning, tomorrow, and start. Make a diet of it to grow strong in our faith. God, I pray maybe there's one here today who has heard the word of God and responds by saying, I want to know the living word, the Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And it would be her day or his day to come and say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. Maybe others who would come to be a part of this congregation that will forever and always stand and say, thus saith the Lord God Almighty. In his holy and righteous name we pray. Amen.